In today's episode of the Sixers Beat, Rich and I preview the Sixers' first-round playoff series against the Washington Wizards, going over how the Sixers should defend Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, why Joel Embiid is too good for the Wizards, what to watch out for that could swing the series, and finally give our predictions. If you're not already an Athletic subscriber, head on over to theathletic.com slash Sixersbeat to get a discount on a yearly subscription and join us for this playoff ride. Enjoy the podcast. All right, welcome everybody. This is Derek Bodner, joined by Rich Hoffman on the Sixers Beat, part of the Athletics Podcast Network. We have an opponent. We have a first-round opponent. The Sixers will play the 34-38 and 38 Washington Wizards. Game 1 is Sunday afternoon at 1 p.m. Game 2 is Wednesday at 7 p.m., and then it goes on from there. Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Sunday would be the rest of the schedule, depending on what is needed. How you doing, Rich? I'm good, you know. We we finally have some certainty. We have uh, have some dates. I like the one o'clock Sunday start. I do. It's I do. like I made the joke on Twitter that it's like a bad NFC East game, <laughs> where uh, we get it over with early in the day. Maybe it'll be a bad Eastern Conference playoff game too. I think Sixers fans would probably hope that it would be uh, considered a bad one in terms of just at least being uncompetitive. But uh, yeah, it's uh, right ready to get this thing going. Yeah, you knew, you knew they weren't going to give the 1-8 seed the primetime matchups, um, which is not something we're used to because the Sixers are not the 1 seed all that often. But they are playing the Wizards. Uh, the Wizards, who I think if, if you would go back... Okay, so I think the toughest matchup out of those four teams would have been a healthy Boston team. Boston is not healthy, so scratch that one off the table. I think the second toughest, probably most people would have said, was the Wizards, maybe some people the Pacers. Uh, you know, the Pacers, if they get healthy and they were without... Karis LeVert, but if they had gotten healthy, maybe they'd figured some stuff out. They probably had the most talent, or at least the most depth, more depth than Washington. But Washington, because of the way they ended the season, I think it was a 17-5 and sprint to the end to make their season um, respectable and to put them into that eighth seed. You know, I think at one point we were talking about whether or not Bradley Beal would request a, tra- a trade. They were looking so bad at the start of the season. So they turned it around, uh, and because of Beal, because of Westbrook and the way he has turned it around, I think... Not that you should be nervous of the series, don't get me wrong. I think when we get there, I'll probably pick them in five just because I feel guilty ever picking a sweep. Uh, I don't think the Sixers should be really tested, but I do think this was, of the four, this was probably, of the uh, taking health into consideration, this was probably maybe the most, or at least the highest variance of the four. Yeah, but but I think your point, just just in general, when you look at the teams that they were going to face, if they can't blow these guys off the floor, they, they got bigger problems than, uh, there was than not, trying to win a championship. There was not a tough matchup of the four. This is just the toughest of the four yeah. matchups. Yeah, I think that's that's a fair way to put it, especially when uh, when Brown went down in uh, in Boston. But like, look, they, the Sixers went three and zero against this team during the season. They, uh, you know, in looking back at some of the games that they played against them, the the team is different now. Some of the players that. Uh, they were counting on in those early matchups and you know, they were not playing quite as well back then, but uh, look, the Sixers, I would say they handled this team. Like it was not that difficult. Those games. I know the one, the one game where Beal scored a billion points, we can get into that. Uh, That was a weird one. The Sixers kind of stopped trying and doc didn't really coach a great game in that one, 
but man, they should they should beat this team pretty easily, I think. Yeah, I mean, like you said, three and zero. Joel Embiid averaged thirty a night in those three games on sixty percent shooting from the field. Uh, he Sixers, I think, outscored them by about. 32, 33 points over three games with Embiid on the court. So that is a matchup the Sixers should have no problem exploiting. And we look at what, um, you know, Washington presents the Sixers. And yeah, Beal is a legit concern. Average almost 37, highlighted by that 60-point outing, which was largely defended by Danny Green, which you don't expect to carry over into this playoff series. It will be interesting, though, because Russell Westbrook is playing significantly better. Theoretically, yep. from a physical um, matching-up standpoint, Ben Simmons is your best option to slow him down, but I think you worry more about Beal, so I think you do end up putting Simmons... He's probably, I mean, Doc's probably going to switch him off a little bit. I think Matisse Seibel could end up playing a pretty big role, especially since Washington is so bad defensively, but um, look, the Sixers should pound this team. Once you start getting past Beal and Westbrook, you know, Berton's had a, a down year by his standards. Embiid should have no problem with Alex Len. Uh, like, there isn't a real tough matchup this is not a team with great depth. There's not a third or a fourth guy that you're really worried about. These Sixers should outclass them in almost every respect. Uh, it should be a, a pretty quick series, I think. And I think the, the, the key why we think it should be a quick series is that, like, look, to play the Sixers, you need a certain level of physicality on the front line. You need just just a good defense, and, and they don't have that. They You know, they, they've... Sc- scrolled through guys who have defended Embiid this year for the first two matchups it was uh it was Thomas Bryant who you know is is like a decent stretch 5 like he's not he he certainly presents some problems to Embiid on the other end of the floor okay he he's been hurt for a long time now you had Mo Wagner who i think played the Sixers like 5 times this season cuz he got traded and cut and all of these things he's not there anymore and now you have uh you have Alex Len and Daniel Gafford, and I think of those two players, and then Robin Lopez too as well, I think Len is the worst of those three players. I don't know why he starts necessarily. I guess it goes to show that other coaches have their uh, their quirks as well. But those are all three guys Embiid can put some fouls on in a hurry. Lopez is a bigger type of guy, but Embiid has had a lot of success on him in his career. And, and you just like, I, I look back at some of those games especially the first two, like the ease with which the Sixers generated offense out of the post, it was pretty alarming. Like like Embiid post-ups, either he was getting a dunk or they were swinging the ball to the opposite side. I, I think this could be a monster Seth Curry series yep. just because he's going to be wide open a lot in these games. I think Danny Green is going to get his share of open threes, but we're talking like the Sixers have matchups to post. Like I think a Ben Simmons post-up in general is not a very good, good offensive play against this team. They double on that. Like they, they really don't have the physicality to guard that. And and he's finding, you know, Tobias Harris and Danny Green and Seth Curry wide open. You have Tobias, Tobias just bullying people. They scored 82 points on that January 6th game in the first half, 82 points. I mean, it was, and it was like an easy 82. And, you know, you look back to the, uh, the March game where Embiid got hurt. Embiid was like, he was doing, pull-ups on the rim in the middle of that game. Just very easy type of basket. So, you know, I'm not sure Washington, you know, they're definitely playing better. I'm not sure they have the, uh, just the, the defensive aptitude that you need to guard the Sixers. Yeah. And look, you know, the, the, the Wizards on the season have the 17th ranked offense, the 19th ranked defense, 
play at the fastest pace in the league. So that will be something that, that, that could watch be a problem. For, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've talked about the Sixers um, struggles in transition defense for quite a while over since uh, March 7th, which is when that 17 and five stretch started. They do have the seventh ranked offense and the seventh ranked defense. Um, the end of this NBA regular season was fluky and weird. Uh, there was a lot of teams who were either not trying or they weren't really all that engaged. A lot of players missing time. There's just the end of NBA season is always weird. This one particularly so. And look, I don't want to take away from what the Wizards did. They didn't play the world's toughest schedule over that stretch, but they did go 17 and five. They did work their way back into the playoff race. They deserve to be here. I just don't think, you know, this is a year I think which is going to be defined by what happened in the regular season may not matter all that much in the playoffs. And a lot of times it doesn't matter anyway, but I think this year more than any, it may not be representative of what happens when you get to playoff series. Like you said, the Sixers should outclass them physically, outclass them from a skill level standpoint, outclass them from depth, outclass them from coaching. This should be a a real easy win for the Sixers. And, and I mean, biggest point is they just can't defend and beat. And that's going to put them in a lot of bad rotations, a lot of bad doubles. Um, the Sixers, if they execute, if they make shots, uh, should be able to take them pretty easily, I think. Yeah, and, and look, credit to them for, for battling back. I, I don't want to diminish their season completely because they dealt with a COVID outbreak that kind of derailed their season for a while there. And they had to play, I think, like 40 games in the second half of the season. Yeah. They had to play a lot of basketball. So for them to uh, to bounce back, and look, like the bottom half of the Eastern Conference, not exactly a murderer's row uh, to yeah. uh, to move up the standings there. But they, they certainly showed a lot of fight. And, you know, for... For everything that you can say about Russell Westbrook, like I, I do think that guy brings a level of competitive competitiveness oh, sure. to your sure. team that has served them well in the long run. Um, you know, I but so let, let me ask you something a little more specifically about the matchup because like this team has been hard to guard for the Sixers at times. You know, you look back to last year when Bertans made remember that one game where Bertans was like in the first half he was he must have been eight of eight yeah. from with like six of six from three, just making, he wasn't even looking at the basket on these shots. Um, so, so they have been tough to guard. And, and I think the, the real reason they have been tough to guard is that uh, Bradley Beal is a world-class scorer. I think uh, we can, uh, we can all agree on that. So, so doc in the second game where Bradley Beal scored, he did get to 60 in that game. Yeah. He did get the 60. Yep. So 20 of 35 from the field, seven of 10. He shot 35 times, seven of 10 from three, 13 of 15 from the line. Yep. You know, and a, and a lot of the damage he did in that game was like you said earlier, it was against Danny green and it was a masterclass of moving without the ball off screens, taking advantage. He got some stuff in transition when the Sixers got lazy too, but a, a lot of damage working off pin downs where Danny green like we established that last week again when Doug McDermott made all those threes in that Indiana game. That is not his strength. Like nope. he, for some reason, getting around a screen, it just doesn't work with Danny Green. I think when you look at the Wizards, though, you look at their starting lineup. You see Howell Neto, who, I mean, like let's let's be honest, like he was not a part of the Sixers rotation last year. I think we all know he has a little bit of talent as a as a scorer. You know, he's kind of a crafty finisher for a smaller guy. This was a guy who was not in the Sixers rotation last year when they were terrible, and now he's he's starting for the Wizards. I think that is a clear place to put Seth Curry, though. Then they have uh, they have Rui, who that 
that seems like a like for like Tobias, you uh, you should probably outplay him, but that's who you're guarding. And then Embiid will take their center. So so you have this thing where you have Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal. And where do you put Ben Simmons? Where do you put Danny Green? And the Sixers have preferred in, I believe, all well, Simmons didn't play the third matchup, but the first two, Russell Westbrook has been a, a matchup where they have said, we like Ben being more of a roamer. He can play off Russ. He can force him to shoot jumpers, and he can create some havoc in terms of off-ball help and steals and all of these things. Um, I don't think they should do that, is, yeah. is my point. I think for whatever value that is and whatever success Russ can have attacking Danny Green, and he probably can score some layups on blow-by drives against him more than more so than against Ben, I, I think, to me, Beal is like, against the Sixers, Beal is the head of the snake. And yeah. if you cut that off or at least limit it, you know, and we don't know how healthy Beal is. He looked a little bit better in last night's game, so that's that's a little bit scarier. Uh, I, I would put Simmons on Beal to start and see if you can limit that. As you all know by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using the BetMGM lines to make all our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic. Plus... Up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code TABASKETBALL. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game. Claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 21 plus to wager. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Nevada, New York, and Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Colorado, D.C., Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. Call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Nevada. 1-800-327-5050 Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-2707-117 for confidential help in Michigan. In partnership with Kansas, Crossing Casino and Hotel. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone else close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at one 866 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah, and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use the bonus code TABASKETBALL and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic Plus up to a $1,000 first bet offer on your first wager. I would too. And there is something to Simmons being the only one who can physically match up. With Westbrook, there is something where if Westbrook gets in the middle of the defense, he can create for others in a way that Beal doesn't because Beal isn't that kind of a passer. But I still just, I take a step back and I look at it and I say, what scares me the most? And it is very much Bradley Beal and him getting hot and, and, and him getting going like that. You know, I think when you look at it, when I start the game, I would probably start the game with Simmons on Beal. When you start looking at who might defend Beal the most in terms of possessions, I could see this Thibel. being, a, a, I could I could see it, Thibel coming in, ending up defending um, Beal the most because he is sort of like that natural off-ball chaser that does allow you to put Simmons back on Westbrook. Um, so I think if you had to rank the three, I think Fiebel the most, probably just by a little bit, and then Simmons, and then Green. But I think Green will end up on him from time to time. I just hope it is a possession or two, uh, maybe three, even three or four possessions, not a quarter at the start. Um, give him a couple of different looks. But I think I think starting off the game, I would, I would start with... Uh, Simmons on Beal as well. Um, I agree it, with you there. In that third game, in which Simmons didn't play because of the whole Barber uh, health and safety protocol thing, 
they they started Thibel and they put him on Beal and then they put Green uh, on Westbrook. So I think that 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 could be a preview of what what we see. Yeah, and I, I think you know as much as we worry about Thibel's offense in a series like this, you know it, it's it's like very easy in general to be like, hey, Matisse has got to score on these cuts and he's got to find this you know random offense to contribute. Against the best defenses, they might be able to take that away. This is not a team that I think can take no. that away. Like, like I think he could score six to eight points a game off cuts if he times him well. I, I do not necessarily think putting Matisse Thybul on the floor is going to derail the uh, the Sixers' offense in a way that it might in a series or two. Yeah, there is something like you mentioned. Seth Curry and Danny Green could have big series though because of the way they double and the way the Sixers can. Swing the ball around. That is an instance where it would be great if Matisse would take and make those shots. Um, <laughs> yes. It it does come with some consequence because that will make it easier for them to recover after they double if you have somebody like Thibel who's not going to take that shot or you don't worry about taking that shot. So it, it does have some impact. Uh, I do agree with you, though. If he is just a dedicated mover, a dedicated cutter, he will find cutting lanes with this team's defense. Um, they are not a good defensive team. They should be able to exploit that. And if you can get even just a little bit of contribution from him, bring him on the floor. You don't have the sort of, you know, Beal or Westbrook dilemma with Simmons because you have another elite perimeter defender out there. Uh, that is the best of both worlds for sure. I could over under on 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 minutes for Thibel. What do you think it could be in the series? Yeah, I'm going to start it with the, the the very general number we've thrown out a lot. I think 25 minutes would be the the over under. I, I think he's going to play a lot. I mean. Look, I think hopefully for the Sixers, there might be a couple of blowouts in here where yeah. maybe you don't even need to play him that much, or maybe maybe he does play more minutes with the, a bench-heavy group. Do you think, uh, I guess now that we see the opponent that the Sixers are playing, do you think we're seeing all bench? Yeah, I think we might see an all bench minute I or think, two. I think we are. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah, it might be a minute or two. I think it might be like it might be a minute or, or two. Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It could be a it could be a Perhaps. stretch. It could be a stretch. Um, yeah, I, I think this is one where you can probably get away with it. Uh, <laughs> well, and if you look back at the games, the first game of the season, the all bench unit was great. Like that, Maxi and Shake were lighting it up. And then in the third game, they didn't have Simmons, and Embiid got hurt in the middle of the game, and all of the bench pieces and depth pieces were awesome for the most part. You had, you know, Shake getting to the rim on Westbrook. Cork was stroking threes on people. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're seeing 10 people to start the uh, the playoffs. Who do you think is the odd man out? Who's the 11th? Maxi. Or, or Maxi and Scott do not play, in my opinion. I think I think Cork, right. Cork is the 10th man. Probably right. Um... And, the th- and the thing is... It's a tough. I could see the bench playing well in this series too. You know, it's like it's. It might be a while for whoever's on the outside to get minutes, just because this is a team that. Again, we're we're hammering the point home, but like, I mean, they did finish nineteenth in defense. That's higher than I thought they would, uh, for the most part. Like, and right, they have like Robin Lopez, who is a good positional yep. defender and my favorite hook shot shooter in the league. But like I think the bench could score against this group. You know they they have shown that they they've been able to get good shots. So I agree. All right, so just take a step back and say if if what is your biggest? Because I think we we just spent twenty minutes talking about why the Sixers should be able to dismantle them pretty easily. Um, outside of the obvious in Bradley Beal, 
if this series goes haywire, goes goes in a direction you completely didn't expect it, what is the biggest thing that concerns you? What would be the cause of the series going haywire? Well, well, I think Westbrook in the right situation, especially if he gets loose in transition, can uh, he can cause some real problems for your team. And, I, and part of the reason I would rather have Simmons on Beal is because I think in, if, if you can kind of cut off the passing lanes to Beal, making Westbrook a volume shooter, you know, m- making him shoot more seems like a good strategy <laughs> in my in my humble opinion. I think a lot of people would would agree with that. But if Westbrook has a lot of outlets to pass the ball, like, I mean, is, you know, we, we can laugh about, you know, is the triple double overrated and all these things. Some of his stat lines are gaudy. Yeah. And, you know, I think if you can get him, like, if he's in full playmaking mode, that that is, that's legitimately pretty concerning, I would say. Yeah, he has, he has, I mean, he, he turned his season around in a big way. In that, that stretch since April 7th, when they went 17 and 5, he was averaging 23 points, shooting 45% from the field, which is is, is really strong for him. Yep. Making a respectable amount from three, 32.6% from three. 14 assists per game uh, to 4.4 <laughs> turnovers. So even the assist to turnover, which isn't necessarily it's, always his strengths, 14 assists is 14 assists. Like he is, yeah. he is racking them up. He is playing much better. Uh, him and Beal over that stretch have been dynamic. Uh, a combined 54.3 points per game. They have been really good. Uh, and Achimura has been solid. Uh, they have some solid players. Lopez has been big for them. Um, Gafford has been relatively big for them down that stretch. He's, he's an exciting player. He's, he, he gets up for some nice dunks and some yep. blocks. He's, he's He was a nice find for them, I'd say. So they have been playing. I mean, their bench players, not bench, their depth players have been playing better. I still just, I think the Sixers should be able to handle them pretty easily. Um you know, three through eight, I think the Sixers have a pretty clear advantage. And also they have a pretty clear advantage with the big guy in the middle, too. I'm just trying to think, like, what, what could they even do defensively? Because I, I'm watching the the game, you know, and they, they did. I mean, their offense was on fire last night. But you look a couple of nights ago when they played the, the Boston Celtics in Boston, tough, tougher playing game. You know, they have like Beal and Westbrook guarding Jason Tatum. And it's just... You know, they they start these three guards and no offense to Beal or Westbrook, but they're not plus defenders, either of them. Um, And then you have Howell Neto, who is not very big either. You know, it's just, I I don't know. I I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, if the Sixers shoot a terrible percentage from three, that could make things closer. If Bertans, who has not been the same player he was last season, you know, if he gets loose and they, they do a poor job against him off screens, like he could certainly... I don't know, swing a game or two with his uh with his three point shooting. Although I will say, like, that is another matchup who, you know, if it's playoff like in the playoffs, if Bertans is making threes, Doc better be running plays on the other end of the floor for Tobias Harris or somebody to just destroy him on the other end. Like uh like Brad Stevens was literally just screaming at whoever <laughs> yeah. was guarding Bertans. Just just go screen for for Tatum because this guy's got no chance against uh against Tatum one-on-one it's you know like look it's it's weird you know remember back 10 years ago when you know the Sixers had Drew Holiday and Elton Brand those Doug Collins teams and it was like look those those teams had good players like those guys could put up a fight and and be competitive in those series but everybody knew that they weren't going to win and I don't want to you have to show a, a certain amount of respect to their team, but the Sixers are, they're on the opposite end of that. They are the Miami Heat now. They are the, 
I don't know, the Detroit Pistons from back then, the Celtics, whatever. They should win. I don't, it was. They, it, it, they it, have more talent. I don't know. It was interesting. Um, Brooks, I think it was last night, being like, oh, well, they, they put their shoes on the same way we do. Or, and I was like, and he made a joke after that. But I'm like, when has that saying ever been used to describe a Philadelphia team? The yeah. T.O. Eagles, was that maybe the last time? Maybe, maybe the Phillies run? Someone would have described them in that 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 sense. But not I'll, Sixers. I'll add something Sixers too. That never doesn't, happen. Yeah, not, not only does it not happen to the Sixers, it doesn't happen in pro sports that much. Like, if you're, if you're playing the underdog aspect, that, that seems like a, you know, like a high school Friday Night Lights speech or something, or a, uh, <laughs> you know, like a 16 seed in the NCAA tournament type speech. Like, they put their shoes on one one day at a time. Like, you have two max players on your team, man. Like it's not. Wait, hold you know, on. If they put their shoes on one day at a time, that's going to take a long time. That yeah, would whatever. Be <laughs> whatever. I don't even care. Yeah, that's. I mean, they should start today then, because, <laughs> because Sunday is is a couple days from now. So make sure to uh, to do that. Yeah, he. Uh, but you know what? I, I I kind of I do like Scott Brooks. I don't think he's like the greatest coach in the league, but he does seem to have an. I don't know, kind of like an even-keeled temperament. He certainly yeah. has – Westbrook certainly likes playing for him um, and, and gives him a certain amount of respect, which is is not nothing. I believe he said at the time, though, when, when Embiid got hurt, he was like, man, that sucks. He was like, I, I hope he's okay because he is the MVP of the league. I was I, – I mean, it was nice for him to say back then. He didn't know what the uh, the prognosis on Embiid's knee would be at the time. Um yeah, I don't know. I it look, they have played much better basketball towards the end of the season. I just I, like look, they're going to have to play really good offense against the Sixers to win because I it's it's one of these weird series where the Sixers are a much worse offensive team, but it, it kind of reminds me of like the the Brooklyn series a couple years ago where they just don't have anybody to guard Embiid and it's like he's going to just say how many points do I want to score against this yeah. team. No, he he could end up averaging 35 a night in the series. Um, if if we're going back to the, uh, I guess, first of all, the full Scott Brooks quote from Fred Katz, uh, they put their socks on one sock at a time, just like us, unless they're doing something tricky, putting two socks on, but I don't think so. So, uh, yeah. Um, so, but going back, one thing scaring you uh, outside of Beal, like if Bertans has two games where he just goes for like 30 on like and 13 he's shots, well, he could do that. You could swing a series that they shouldn't otherwise be in or not swing, but at least make a little, you know, where you're nervous a little bit. But other than that, there's just not there's not a whole lot to fear from this team because the other side you should be able to get whatever you want, like almost legitimately whatever you want. Um, I'm trying should... to think. What do you think the scariest offensive lineup they could put on the floor is? Beal, Westbrook. It's so funny looking over here and seeing Neto and Smith, like Leno and Smith. <laughs> it's just it's and like watching the game against the Pacers the other night. You throw in TJ and Jakar on the bench. It was a, a process reunion. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's Westbrook and Beal and a bunch of shooters. Um, Berton's definitely yep. like if he's he's got a cooking, it just turns into like, oh my god, you how should, easy you is should, it to score on the other side? You should be like, able to pick apart any one of the five defenders they put on the floor in that lineup. I know, I know. It's uh, like you talk about matchup hunt or mismatch hunting. Like they're all mismatches. Just just run a play. Should be good. Maybe maybe that's their strategy. Like there's there's too many good mismatches, so maybe yeah. they'll take too many. And honestly, like their, their best team defenders are pretty much their big men who are just have no chance against Embiid. Um, this really, uh, so I, I guess we'll just get out of the way. What what is your prediction on the series? 
I think Sixers and five. I, I imagine there will be a game in DC. And by the way, the uh, DC used to, or before the the Embiid game, and I think I guess you can include with with the Sixers winning, but Embiid getting hurt there. That place is a house of horrors, man. Like yeah. before the Sixers won that game in March, their previous win in DC. And by the way, that's a place they play once or twice every season. Was uh, it was Brett Brown's second game yeah. as the Sixers head coach in 2013. It's so during, during that unforgettable three and zero start to his career. Yeah, they they have been horrible in that place, and they finally break through and get a win there, a resounding win. But their best player gets hurt, and we thought the season was over for a second. So that's been a tough place to play. Yeah, I think five is a nice, gentle, minly sweep is is where I would lean. I think 5-2. I will say the Sixers drop one out of two in Philly to start just so we can get a little Ooh. bit of a just so we can get a little bit of a panic out of the way uh, and fans can lose their minds sort of like the uh, the Brooklyn series. Uh, a little bit like that. Uh, but I think I think five, and honestly if I'm being honest I I think it should be four. Uh, but I will give them a game for Beal or Bertans or Westbrook to get supernova hot and the Sixers to just miss shots. Um that is sort of like the margin. In I think that the point too is if you can keep them in the half court, look, they, they have these talented guys, but the Sixers half court defense is awesome. And, you know, I think it, it was kind of a preview of the season to come that, that first game. Do you remember that they were down in the, the first game of the season with like, you know, like in going into the fourth quarter, they might've been down like eight to 10 points. They weren't playing that well. It seemed like they were kind of nervous trying to figure out who would get the ball. Embiid goes insane at the beginning of that fourth fourth quarter. He scores like eight to 10 points in a row and they just executed down the stretch. They kept them in the half court and it was a, it was a sign of things to come where they got stops on defense and they executed. I remember they ran the same play probably like seven times in a row and they got every single option off of it. It was, it was impressive. And it it's very similar to the January 6th game where they let the wizards come back in that game with Beal going insane but, you know, with the game in the 120s and the 130s, like when it got close, yeah. when it got time to win the game, they did it. And that has kind of been the story of the Sixers all season. Like, even when they have screwed around a little bit, even when they have let a team back in the game, they get stops, they get enough buckets down the stretch to win. And, yeah, uh, I think there could be a game or two where you get nervous down a stretch and you pull your hair out and you start yelling at the TV and they find a way to win. Because uh, that's that quite frankly mostly what they do. They were the best fourth quarter team in point differential in the league this year, which is still stunning to say. Uh, but I think this could be a game where you go through a period. Washington is making everything. They're shutting the ball right down the court. Uh, your transition defense isn't playing well. And then you figure it out at the end and you pull it through. Uh, they are the better team, the more talented team, the more complete team. They should be able to figure that. The transition defense is a legitimate concern. Um, I just wrote an article about that not too long ago about the Sixers' struggles in that regard. Six have been talking about that a lot this week, having a chance to practice it. This is a matchup where they will have to be uh, better. Maybe not. They could probably still be bad and win the series pretty easily. But this, that is an area where it could help even it out a little bit. Because like you said, if they hold them to a half-court game, they uh, they should handle them really easily. Ish will push the ball down your throat if uh, if you let him. Yeah. He's a... Uh... I'm looking right now. Ish is shooting 42% from mid-range. He's he's a better mid-range shooter than when he was in in Philadelphia. Um, yeah, that is. It's obviously not a shot that's going to kill you in the long run, but he could get hot for a game or two. And uh, I think he he made a couple in that that win over Charlotte to to clinch them the 
the eighth seed going into the uh, plan tournament. Yeah, I just like you, you look up and down this roster, though, man, like. And I know they they're dealing with some injuries, like Abdi is not playing right now. Uh, they they don't have a lot of swingmen on this no. team. <laughs> we got Hachimura, Chandler Hutchinson plays for them. I mean, I Berton's really isn't a swingman; he's stretch big. And then that's about it. Like you you know you either have a traditional big like Gafford or Len or uh, or Lopez, and then it's all smaller guys. Like it's you know that's how you get. Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal guarding Tobias. Yeah. Yep. All right. So predictions out of the way. Uh, I guess we can just move on real quickly. Joel Embiid is among the three finalists for MVP, joined by Steph Curry and Nikola Jokic. Um, Ben is one of the three finalists for Defensive Player of the Year, joined by Rudy Gobert and Draymond Green. I guess just overall thoughts on that happening, their chances in their respective awards and any surprises you might have. Yeah, I would just reiterate that it sucks for Joe that he's not going to make first-team All-NBA because, you know, he's been voted one of the best three players in the league. And because of these stupid positional designations and the fact that he's on one end of the positional spectrum, I don't think enough people are going to vote for him in that forward spot. And he's not a forward, I get it, but he he should be on first team all nba there uh, i think there is a very good chance i we'll see what happens i mean I, steph's going to get a lot of buzz i think there is a very good chance joe gets second in mvp and ben gets second in defensive player of the year and that's a great accomplishment for both of them i don't want to uh yeah. to downplay it uh i i think that is uh, honestly i think the three people they selected here for mvp i think is right Yep. Defensive player of the year, I don't really have a major problem with. I still think in terms of importance, Joel is more important to the Sixers defense. But also, I mean, this is a regular season award where Ben was more consistent. Um, he is a more unique defender. He is, quite frankly, just a more engaged, energetic defender. He is a secret weapon uh, that really Draymond Green thrown in there, too. But there just aren't very many in that archetype. Whereas with Joel, you, you're so, sort of used to the big man dominating the game defensively, so there might be a little bit of big man fatigue. I could make a case, I still think, that Joel Embiid. But in terms of game-to-game consistency, it's, it's tough to argue. It's tough to argue with those three, too. I, look, Jokic is going to win the MVP, and Gobert is going to win Defensive Player of the Year. It, it, both pretty much slam dunks. There's almost no chance it goes any other way, I don't think. I don't have a vote. I would vote for both of them. I mean, so would I. it's it's <laughs> tough. I, I know it's, it's fun to... Uh, to make fun of both of those guys. And it's, it's done as a joke sometimes as, uh, as Sixers fans, but it's just go bear the, the effect he can have on the game from the big man position. We need two different awards. Like it's, we're, we're critiquing them on different things. I don't think a wing defender in today's NBA is, if you're just looking at the statistic impact and, and what, you know, the regular season, what you need on the defensive end in the regular season, I don't think a wing defender should win ever again, unless they change the rules. Like you cannot impact the game quite as much, but the good news for Ben is he is going to be a slam dunk first team, all NBA defense guy. So that's good. Um, yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's great for both of them. Like getting, getting recognized on that level. It just, I, I, I feel so bad for Joe though, because he should be on first team all NBA. he, the regular season awards are always going to be stacked up against him because he doesn't play a ton of games. And that's for rest reasons, for 
durability reasons that unfortunately, and I don't necessarily think it's the wrong way to look at it. That is what gets rewarded at the end of the year. So now he has this kick-ass year. He misses some time to knock him out of the MVP race, but he played enough and was dominant enough to be a first-team All-NBA guy. I feel bad. He deserves it, but yeah. he's probably not going to get it. Yeah, no. Um, to your point about big men, it, well, it, like there, to me, it was almost like two different ways to describe it. Ben Simmons might be the most talented defender in the NBA. Like yeah. Just his overall diversity, athleticism, attention to detail, as good as anyone in the league. And then there's impact and Rudy Gobert just makes a bigger impact when there's somebody, not that it will always be a big man, but when there is an elite, elite, elite big man defender, he makes a bigger impact. Uh, you could make the same case for Embiid and Embiid's not quite as consistent as Gobert, but at the top of his games, he makes a similar impact. Uh, it's just tough to compete against him. So it's almost like, like I said, two different ways to look at it. There is most versatile, most skilled, most, um, you know, all of those descriptors. And then there's impact. And it's it's tough to have more of an impact than Rudy Gobert. But I mean, I'll go back to I, I wrote about this recently, like to me and I look at everything and like I 100 percent get why as a Sixers fan, you want to see your player rewarded. I, I get that completely. Certainly get why Joel wants to be rewarded. He deserves it. But to me, the, the, the key is that you have somebody that is in this conversation, uh, because in the past, Joel was not at this level. He took a massive leap that doesn't guarantee playoff success, but it is pretty much a prerequisite. And we've spent most of our adult lives with the Sixers not having somebody playing at this level. You have somebody that's doing that now that makes you relevant in the NBA. That is the entire point of the process. Now let's see if they can bring it home. Um, like I said, it's not a guarantee. It is a prerequisite. Uh, and that is a massive jump he took. And and would you like to see him rewarded for it? Yeah. But from a team building, from a fan perspective, from a championship perspective, you are in a good spot. And, you know, despite all of his... Uh... His campaigning this year and and his his media blitz that he did to try and get some extra votes. I do think he understands that you know winning these regular season awards when Jokic plays like every single game is is gonna be tough for me. The way and he I think he understands like the way my legacy changes, the way I can bolster my resume is if we win the title because if we win the title. I'm going to win the finals MVP. I am going to be considered the best player on a championship team. And when you go down the list of those guys, you know, with the very rare exceptions of like, you know, the 04 Pistons, you know, and these guys are Hall of Famers on that team. Don't get me wrong. Um, with very rare exceptions, you are considered an all-timer, you know, like like an all-time great. That is an amazing accomplishment. And uh, he has a legitimate chance to do that this year. He's going to have a lot of competition, obviously. It's a wide-open thing. But I I, I do think, like, having Embiid at this point where, you know, even when Doc said he participated in the live practice the other day, you know, they show show video. Like, do you remember before the Brooklyn series in 2019 when he was like, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to play tomorrow? Yeah. Because of my knee tendonitis, because I played a billion games at the beginning of the first half of the year. And we were on this pod being like, this is a failure. This is crazy. And he missed the game in that series. Yeah. And he was, you know, he was still really impactful in that second series. And he was dealing with an illness, but he was not 100%. The year before, runs into Fultz's shoulder, <laughs> which not his fault, but he was certainly not 100% going into that series. And then last year, he just didn't have a team that was capable of of going that far. All right. Well, this is the best position he's ever been. So. Oh, if they don't get to a conference finals, it is a 
a massive underachievement. Um, yeah, no, they have a chance, real chance to get that conference finals. You get there, you have a chance to, um, you know, look, will they be a favorite? Maybe not, but they have a, they have a puncher's chance in that series. He can make his imprint on the league in that regard for sure. I, I have been thinking because we have been using that line a lot. It's a failure if they make the conference finals. And to be clear, it, it is a complete failure if they miss the conference finals. Man, those pods would be if they lose like to I, I like I don't even know if the next series would be harder than this one you know, with the the lack of playoff experience. I guess those teams are a little bit better, but uh I think we'd be having a lot of the same conversations. Man, if they if they lose a series, I I can't wait to see the the anger of uh of what those podcasts are like. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. Oh man, that would be yeah, that would not be a good podcast. Um, I feel like right I feel now, like Ben, turn off ben Simmons pod. and Tobias Harris, the the slander on that. I I don't expect that to happen, but whew, man, that uh, that'd be something. Yeah, just put it that way. Yep. We but, haven't done too many of those podcasts this year. Th- those would make up for it if they didn't <laughs> make the conference finals. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it would. Um, is there any particular series that you're looking forward to outside of the Sixers? Oh yeah, the uh, the Bucks Heat series. I can't wait for. Just because I, I think Milwaukee is a better team than they were in past years. And I'm, you know, I know the Sixers didn't play them at full strength, so you can't take too much away. Like the, the, the schedule makers set up Milwaukee in those games against the Sixers sure. in a almost comical fashion. But I think they're pretty damn good, man. And they, yep. I, the, the ability to switch screens with Drew and now they have PJ Tucker, um, you know, just having that failure from the last couple of years, I think they're better positioned than previous years, but Miami is playing really good. And, you know, the fact that they uh, they didn't try to hide from Miami, they're like, all right, we'll play you first. W- what a gauntlet that would be for Milwaukee. If Milwaukee is playing in the NBA Finals, I will probably be rooting for them to win because that would be an epic. Like, if they got to go Miami, Brooklyn, Philly, finals team x from the uh from the west i yeah that that is the series from a competitive standpoint that i am looking forward to the most and of course it's on uh it's on like espn at like 2 30 tomorrow it's not the the primetime game when i think it is by far the best series and yeah. uh with like legitimate star power too yeah i don't get it but yep uh no and my follow-up question that was going to be sort of like, what is the top three seed you think is in the, the biggest threat of being knocked off? It might be Milwaukee. I don't think they will be. Um, well, uh, maybe. That's, I don't know. I think Brooklyn Denver. is going to kill. Oh, Boston. Oh, you're talking West too. Yeah. Uh, no, I was talking about both. Um, well, Denver I mean, could, I mean, the Murray injury is, is huge for them. I think they still win, but uh, well, I think they could West be is, is wide open. I mean, I think. Yeah. I mean, even you think- got, you got, you've got LeBron as a seven seed. Phoenix is probably not getting enough love. They're betting. I think betting wise, they are massive underdogs as yeah. a as a two seed in that series. I don't think that's fair. There's value on Phoenix. They have been a better team than the Lakers this year. And frankly, like I, I the play in was awesome. That game was awesome the other night. Yeah. The level of competitiveness, you know, the shot making at the end. It wasn't the cleanest game in the world, but it was what you want from that type of game. The the Lakers, like LeBron, doesn't look completely right no, to me. Doesn't. But they are they are scary. I I think I would pick. Phoenix in that series, but yeah, that's, you know, we're talking about the Sixers, good draw. That's a tough one for Phoenix. Like you're the, you have such a great season with CP3. You finally break through. You have been irrelevant for a long ass time. 
And your reward for being the number two seed is you have to play LeBron, LeBron yep. and Anthony Davis in the first round. And even if they are a little bit hobbled, that is not fun. No, uh, I would. I would if they were not hobbled, I would pick the Lakers pretty easily in that series, even with how well Phoenix has played. But yeah, that is a that's going to be a, a fun one. Um, I, I going back to your point, I think Milwaukee. Uh, Miami is the most intriguing matchup in the first round. I'm also kind of like sneakily interested in seeing the Knicks and the Hawks just because they're two oh, completely yeah. unknown entities and unknown entities in the playoffs are fun. I want to see how Trey plays in the playoffs. I want to see if Julius Randle can, uh, can keep it going. Um, not that Atlanta is the greatest defense, but that is a, and it's a, a new environment for both of them. Uh, and I'm interested to see what they end up looking like. Likeable teams, both of them, young teams that I think are just trying to make it to the second round. I, I don't think either of them have major expectations if the Sixers do see them in that uh, in that second round. But yeah, it'll be good experience for Trey. I, I mean, I, I know MSG is, I don't know how full it's going to be. I know they have vaccinated and unvaccinated sections or whatever, but I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm a sucker for MSG playoff basketball. We don't usually get to see it that much. Maybe I will tire of it in the coming years if the the Knicks continue to make the playoffs. But uh, yeah, that's definitely going to be a a fun series. I think it's it, it. What makes it fun is that we don't know what we're getting from either of those teams. Yeah. Yep. Uh, agreed. All right. So I think that's probably a, a good enough place to get off. Like we said, both of us are picking Sixers in five. If it ends up going six, you can yell at us uh, for 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 false sense of complacency if it ends up going four you can yell at us for being pessimistic I, i'll defend it if it goes six and it's just bertans makes a billion threes in one game and they win game six by 40 i i'm not going to apologize for the takes <laughs> we've had if it is a legitimately competitive six okay then then, yeah. then you can yell at us uh but thank you rich for jumping on and we will talk to you soon probably after game one see you man